Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good uh, morning to those who have, I haven't greeted yet. Um, my name is Henny for those who are new. Uh, where's Tabong? Where's my partner in crime? Oh, there he is. Come and, come and sit over here so people can see you. <laughs> so, um, we've been busy with a serious... Uh, just sort of exploring why, asking the question, why do we do certain things? Why do we believe certain things? Why do we focus on certain things? And um, this morning, we're going to start uh, sort of four sort of new ones on our vision as Shofar, uh, asking the question why. And the reason why we ask the question is that um, very often we fail to do the right things or do things right because we fail to understand why we do those things. In other words, when we don't understand why something is important, we'll either neglect it altogether or if we do it, we'll do it half-heartedly and and incomplete. Uh, And therefore, it's important to understand the motive and the reason behind why we do certain things. Uh, It's all good and well to say to little children when you tell them to do something because I say so. <laughs> but because maybe the little children are just too young to understand, you know. Don't push your finger into the electric uh, socket. Why? Because I say so. <laughs> I'm not going to explain the electricity to you right now. You're not going to understand. It's going to hurt you, okay? Just do what I say. But as we become older, it's important that we understand why we do what we do if we want to do it consistently and effectively and, and, and with, with all our heart. And, and God is like that as well. He... He wants us to understand why we do what we do. And um, if you can just uh, put up our vision statement there, we're going to, uh, in the next four weeks, just take each of the, the phrases of our vision statement and ask, you know, why, why is that in our vision statement? So our vision statement is reaching nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. Uh, we talk about taking the whole gospel to the whole world. So this morning we're going to look at why nations and generations, why reaching nations and generations, why is that important, why is that part of our vision. And I just want to sort of as a um, starting point read uh, a very famous scripture, the so-called, well, Matthew's statement of the so-called Great Commission in Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20, and it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, obey, to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So um, we're just going to focus on that portion where, where Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And um, obviously included in the all nations are all the generations in all the nations. Okay? And, and that's why, uh, you know, this scripture is one of the scriptures why in our vision statement we say we, we're all about reaching nations and generations. We, we're all about reaching nations and generations. And I, and I, I think um, this baby dedication this morning was so beautiful because it, um, you know, it just shows that Different generations are important to us. Even little children, because they were important to Jesus, they are important to us. And um, while we were preparing this week, Tabang found a nice scripture in Psalm uh, 78 that I want you to to read for us, uh, which in the Old Testament already talks about this. And, and, And this is by no means the only scripture. I mean, there are other scriptures like the famous Shema in um in Deuteronomy 6, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then it says, And these commands will be on your heart, and you'll teach them diligently to your children. Um, and, and we see throughout the Old and the New Testament that, that children, in fact, all the generations, from children all the way through to grandparents, are important to God, and, and all need the Word of God, and all need the Gospel. And I think this scripture in Psalm 78 makes it very clear. So over to you, Tabang. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Tabang. I'd uh, like to introduce me. Uh, yes, uh, let us read Psalm 78, verse 1 to verse 8. It reads, uh, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. 
Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the, and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope on they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So yes, uh, we're going to start with generations. Uh, generations, are, I think like Henny said, uh, it was such a, I think for me, a privilege to, to witness uh, what happened here. Uh, when I was young, uh, I, I wasn't dedicated in front of a congregation, and uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm ex- I was excited to see that happening. I've seen that a lot happening, but I think I'm still excited. I think it paints a, a great picture. While I was standing at the back, I, I, I saw quite a lot of couples uh, and, a quite, and quite a lot of people uh, from families uh, with wives and husbands who are pregnant, wives and husbands who have their children with them, uh, mothers who have their children, fathers who have their children with them, and uh, it's, it's such a great thing to see that today, uh, as we stand, as fitting as the sermon is today, I believe, is that we see a generation, and it's easy for us to, to not think about centuries in generation, but to think about your sons, your daughters, your grandparents, your grandchildren, your nephews, it, the list goes on. Uh, but yes, uh, I think Psalm 78 uh, uh, it speaks of, of a very important thing uh, that, that we need to realize. And, and it's that it's, we call it the, the reason why we need to reach the generation. And, and that reason, one of the reasons is that all generations need the word of God. Uh, and they need to be faithful to the word of God. That's the instruction or that's the plea uh, from, Psalm, from Psalm 78. Because it tells us, hear, O Israel, teach them the ways of our fathers. Teach them the ways that you have known. And uh, I think the, the, other, the other important reason is that, um, that, that we notice in our social lives is that, is that people from all generations are, uh, are receptive to the gospel, are receptive, are receptive to, the, to, to, to the Lord. And, but, but the one thing we can notice is that the younger generation uh, are, are more receptive, and, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing. They are more receptive uh, because they are so... So young, uh, if if I can just say that, uh, and there's this there's this concept uh, called the 414 window. Uh, the, 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 in, in explaining the 414 window, is uh, the 414 window is it's a it's a window uh, that that speaks about the ages between uh, between four to 14, and what they they researched and what they found out is that uh, children from ages four to 14 are the most receptive in hearing uh, about uh, the most receptive in, in hearing uh, the gospel uh, and and they are also the most effective at uh, at 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 at, um, at telling others at telling their peers and I think that's a very powerful thing that we we can we can use uh, because even in my testimony, I, I think for, for a lot of us, uh, if you if you think about it, in my testimony, uh, in my father's testimony, I was I was saved. Um, I was saved when I was when when I was 13 years old when I went to to to, to high school, uh, and I was saved. The, the only reason I was saved was because my brother himself, who who effectively told me about the gospel while, while he was 14 himself. I was 13 and he was 14, and he told me about the gospel, and he told me to, to go and, and plead with the Lord uh, for, my, for, for, for my saving, which I did. And, and I think that's a very, very important thing that we, we need to take notice, and we need to, in speaking of generations, uh, we need to understand that we are, that the younger generation, especially 4 to 14, they are most most receptive in hearing about the gospel, and they're most uh, effective in, in, in sharing about the gospel. Yeah, I just want to uh, pass, pass back to you. Okay. So, um, 
I think that scripture we read about uh, Matthew 19, verse 13 to 15, it says, Do not hinder little children from coming to me, for to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Now, it's, it requires a childlikeness. No matter how old you are or how young you are, it requires a childlikeness to respond to God. If you're not child, ch- children are, are naturally hum- humble, um, little children are, are naturally humble. They're eager to learn, they're, they're open. Um, they're trusting, um, and no matter how old we are, we need to be childlike if we want to respond to the gospel. And because children are children, they're naturally childlike, and therefore they naturally respond easier to the gospel as we are, uh, as, as, as than adults who, who have been, you know, become mature and who, I mean, we get to a place where we think we know everything. We think we know what's best for us. Uh, and the older we become, the more set we become in our ways. And it's, it's so easy then to not respond to the gospel in childlikeness. Um, I was also saved actually on my 13th birthday, the 11th of August, 1983, um, um, So it was, it, that was a good day for me. I was born on that day in 1976. I was born again on that day in 1989. And I got married on that day <laughs> in 2001. So... Our first child was not born on the 11th of August. <laughs> I got my timing a bit, a bit wrong. Maybe I should blame my wife. Maybe I should say she got her timing wrong. <laughs> but um, I was also, I was 13 years old. And uh, I think it's very significant. And I say that, that most people who serve the Lord, who come to serve the Lord and then serve the Lord for the rest of their lives, get saved in that 414 window. Um, but... You know, God is a father. One of the things that Jesus teaches us is when we pray to pray our father. Often, Jesus refers to, to God as father. And that implies that he's a father of a family. It implies that the church is the extended family, which covers all the generations from grandparents, parents to grandchildren. Uh, and we as the church should reflect that. And, and so when you, when you look across the church, you should see some, some gray hairs, um, you know, some young working people and some, some little children. Okay, most of the little children are in kids' church. But um, all of, of, of the generations should be included in church because church is a family, an extended family that covers all the generations. And the amazing thing about the gospel is the gospel is for all generations, which means you're never too young to respond to the gospel and you're never too old to respond to the gospel. It means that the gospel, even though it's rich and deep and it takes more than a lifetime to really understand the gospel, it's also simply enough for a little child to understand. I mean, both Tabang and I were 13 years old when for the first time we really understood the gospel and responded to it. Okay? That's the one thing about the gospel. It's easy enough. It's, even a child can respond to it. But the other thing is you're never too old to respond to the gospel, which means it's never too late. The word gospel means good news, and it's good news that it's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are, how many years or decades you've had to walk in sin and to walk contrary to the Lord's way. The Lord says, I can forgive all of that. All of that. You're never too old to respond uh, to the gospel. So, um, reaching generations is, is important to us, but also reaching nations um, and in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And most Christians, when they hear that, they think, Oh, you know, so now I must go to different nations to go and make disciples. But that's not what that verse is saying. The word um, nations, translated nations in the English there, is the, is the Greek word ethnos, from, which, which literally means ethnic groups. So when it says nations there, it's not talking about countries. It's, a talking, it's, it's speaking about ethnic groups. Go and make disciples of all ethnic groups. Which means that here in South Africa, we already have so many um, ethnic groups that, that, that we can reach. Um, so, what we want to do is already start here where we are reaching the ethnic groups that are where we are, but then also go to where other ethnic groups are and, and, and reach them as well. So there are three sort of groups of reasons for why we want to reach 
nations or ethnic groups. There are upward reasons, in other words, reasons towards God, Godward reasons. There are outward reasons, reasons towards the nations, you know, the benefit of the nations. And there are inward reasons because it benefits us, the ones reaching, uh, it benefits us to, to reach uh, nations as well. Sure, yeah. And uh, in starting with the upward reasons, um, I think in, in trying to understand God our Father and Jesus, uh, one amazing thing we need to understand is that He's good and He's God and He deserves to be praised. And, and in reading, I just, I just really want us to read uh, Daniel 7, uh, Daniel 7, uh, verse, verses 13 to 14. I think it uh, sums it up really well. It reads, uh, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, they came, one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. We shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. I think that's a very clear reason. Uh, we, do, we do not... And the upward reason, it's so crucial. I think it's the basis of all the other reasons on why we should reach. Uh, because it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the cornerstone of, of understanding this, that... The only way, the only way we can reach, and the, the start of reaching is is reaching from a place of knowing that He deserves to be praised and He deserves to be to be served by all nations and and all nations. Like Henny says, it's 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 not by South Africa or by Namibia, but it's it's by all ethnic groups, and and that's a very important thing that that, that Daniel. Uh, alludes to himself when he, when, he, when he says that all people, all nations, all languages should serve him. And uh, I think the second reason we see in, uh, in, Revelations, in Revelations 5, verses 9 to 10, uh, which is very, very similar to, uh, to Daniel, it reads, uh, earlier it says, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they reign on the earth. I think this, uh, if I can highlight a, a very important thing from, from this one, is that uh, Jesus, God, deserves to be worshipped. Because this scene in Revelation, it's, it's speaking about worshiping God in the, in the heavens. It's speaking about worshiping God in the heavens. And this is what he sees, the writer of, 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 of the scripture. This is what he sees. He sees people worshiping God in all languages. Not in one language, but in all languages. And that's, I think that's a, that's a second crucial uh, important reason in our upward uh, reasons of why we should reach all nations. And I think Henny will discuss the third one. Mm, so, um, if you can just bring up that scripture again in Revelation 5. Um, it's, it says there, uh, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed, some other translations say redeemed, people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Um, and, and the language there of ransomed or redeemed is, is language that we're not familiar with because it's slave market language. Now, there is still a lot of slavery today. In fact, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, there's actually, um, especially in Islamic countries and, and places like that, more slavery today than there's ever been in the past. Um, but in the West, there's, there's not slavery. So we don't understand this, this whole concept of the slave market. Um, but what happened was slavery was part of the legal system. So if you stole something and you had to pay back, say, four times or seven times what you have stolen, and you couldn't afford it, then you had to be sold as a slave in order to work back. So, so the, the sort of good thing of that is 
crime didn't pay. <laughs> Whereas in our modern times, you know, it, 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 you sometimes get the feeling, you know, the legal system is set up in a way so that crime actually does pay, and, and that's why maybe you have so many criminals. But, um, you know, slavery was, 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 was terrible, but it, it was... Um, if, if you were sold into slavery, you know, because you had a debt that you couldn't pay, your family, if they could gather the money, they could go to the slave market and redeem you or ransom you. You know, buy your freedom. That's what the word redeemed or ransom means. Now, what that implies is when it says that the Lamb of God, Jesus, was slain, and by his blood he ransomed or redeemed people for God from every tribe and nation and language. It means that every tribe and nation and language is and was in slavery. If you think about the Israelites, where did they start? They started off in Egypt, being slaves in Egypt, being oppressed in Egypt, and God having to come and free them, free them from that slavery and say, let my people go so they can come and serve me, so they can come and worship me. The first two reasons that Tabang mentioned, in the desert. And the reason, one of the reasons why God allowed Israel to be in slavery and then to be redeemed from slavery is because Israel, in a sense, were acting out the situation of every nation. Every nation, other nations, their, their slavery might be more subtle. It might be less noticeable, but it is no less real. All nations are in slavery to sin. And all nations, therefore, have to be redeemed or bought their you know, their freedom, they have to be ransomed, they have to be bought free again. And their debt is so high that only the blood of the divine Son of God is a high enough price to ransom them from the slave market. Now, what that means is that um, Jesus has, with his blood, bought people out of slavery for God to worship God, to serve God. In other words, those people that he ransomed or redeemed or purchased with his blood literally belong to him. They are his property. We are his property. So one of the reasons why we say we, we, we're into reaching nations is because there are people from all nations whom Jesus has already purchased. They belong to him, and all we're going to do is going to receive on his behalf those who belong to him. Um, there's this beautiful story. Of, some of you might have heard of the Moravians. Um, they were a church movement in the, I can't even remember now, it was 17 or 1800, somewhere around there. And literally for 100 years, they, they had a continuous prayer movement where they prayed 24-7 for, for, for more than 100 years. And they were also a big missionary movement. They were very serious. I mean, you can't pray a lot and, and not <laughs> care about the souls of people. I can guarantee you, if you pray a lot, you're going to care about people's salvation, and you're going to want to reach those people with the love of God and with the good news of the gospel. Um, and they tell the story about these two young men. God laid the West Indian islands on their hearts. And at that stage, it was being used as a slave um, sort of market. And the only way they could get in there to take the gospel to the West Indians was to become slaves themselves. And they literally sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to the West Indies and reach the slaves there on the slave market with the gospel. And as they were standing on the boat greeting their their families in Europe, uh, saying goodbye to them with tears in their eyes, knowing they'd probably never see them again, they said this. And this was the motive, the reason behind why they were willing to even be sold into slavery to take the gospel to those who were enslaved. Is they said, let the lamb who was slain now receive the reward of his suffering. He is worthy. Let the lamb who was slain now receive the reward of his suffering. Now, they were saying, Jesus, the lamb of God, deserves to receive that which he has rightly purchased with his blood. That is why we're into reaching nations.
all nations because there are people from all nations that Jesus has purchased with his blood. They belong, they rightly belong to Jesus. Um, so th those are the upward reasons why we want to reach nations. There are also outward reasons why we want to reach nations. Uh, if you can just bring up uh, Galatians 3 verse 8. It says, um, it, it's, Paul is here talking about the gospel, and, and he says, and the scripture, uh, and, and there are three scriptures, you know, um, Genesis 12 verse 3 um, and Genesis 22 verse 18 uh, are two of them um, that he's basically quoting that say the same thing. I actually think he's, he's referring to Genesis um, 22 verse 18 here, specifically. But um, it says there, uh, you, know, you can go back to Galatians, uh, Galatians 3. It says, uh, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And the word Gentiles there literally means nations. Foreseeing that God would justify the, the nations by faith. Preach the gospel before Adam to Abraham, saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. In other words, the gospel, one way of stating the gospel is, it's, the word gospel means good news. The gospel is the good news that God wants to bless all nations. Okay? So, in Genesis 1 verse, um, Genesis 1 verse uh, 28, uh, it says, And God blessed them. That's Adam and Eve. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over it. Um, from the beginning, God's ideal for mankind was that mankind would be blessed. So God, notice that God blesses Adam and Eve before he says to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, blessing leads to fruitfulness and multiplication and dominion and all of those good things mentioned there. But he blesses them so that when they are fruitful and multiply, they'll multiply that blessing. Because all along, that was God's ideal for the nations, that the people will be blessed. Now, we know the story of how Adam and Eve disobeyed God, how they sinned against God, and how that blessing was turned into a curse. What God intended for them, blessing, was replaced with cursing. Now, what is blessing, you may ask? Blessing is a supernatural, positive influence on your life, where... But metaphorically speaking, everything you touch turns to gold. Um, Psalm 1 puts it this way. It says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. Uh, he, he bears fruit in its season. His leaves do not wither. And then it says, And in all that he does, he prospers. That's blessing. Okay? And that's what God wants. That's God's heart. For all nations. It's, from the beginning it was God's art for, for all nations. We see also then in, um, in, in Genesis 12 verse 3 and 22 verse 18, if you can just bring up those, um, it says, God says to, to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, uh, and those who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then verse 22 says, and in your offspring, um, and just notice there, offspring, the uh, I don't know in English the word offspring can be singular or plural, but but in the Hebrew it's singular. In your offspring, your seed, literally, and that seed, the offspring, the son of David was of course Jesus. In your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So so even in the old covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, God's the ideal was He wants to bless the nations. He wants to bless all nations. Um, and then in Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14, we see how God, how that happened. Despite the fact that people sinned, God, the gospel says, God, uh, in the gospel, God says he wants to bless all nations through Abraham. Just go to the next verse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, on the nations. The blessing of Abraham might come on all the nations for which God intended it, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I want you to notice a few things here, how it happened. Um, God blessed Adam and Eve. Why is there blessing and cursing? 
In fact, you might ask, why is there cursing in the first place? <laughs> you know? There's, there's blessing because God blesses that which reflects His image so it can be fruitful and multiply. There's cursing because... And then it, it, it increases. There's cursing because God curses that which does not reflect His image so it can shrink and wither and decrease. Everything that is evil and bad and oppressive and cruel and hurtful and harmful in this world is that which does not reflect God's image. So God in His grace puts a curse on that so it will shrink and decrease and wither so that there will be less evil in the world. And that which does reflect God's image, He blesses so it will increase and flourish and multiply and be more of that because He's a good God. Okay, And um, obviously by sinning, we're doing the opposite of reflecting God's image. And, and then God curses that. But God wants to bless us. And that's why through the gospel, he made this plan. So God is a just God. He cannot just bless those who deserve cursing and curse those who deserve blessing. And the reality is, if we look at our lives, all of us deserve cursing. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us have perfectly obeyed God and perfectly reflected God's image. Isn't that so? I mean, every day we fall short of the glory of God. We fail to perfectly reflect God's image. There was only one who has perfectly reflected God's image every day of his life. Only one human being, and that was Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect human life that deserved God's blessing, yet he was hung on the cross. And Galatians 3 verse 13 says, became a curse for us so that we who deserve the curse can be blessed. So here's the thing. The good news of the gospel is that news of the substitution. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus on the cross received what we deserved, the cursing that we deserved because of our sinful lives so that we can receive the blessing that He deserved through His obedient life. That's what it means that He has redeemed us with His blood from every tribe and nation and language. And he did that. Now, notice here the high price that Jesus is willing to pay so that you and I can be blessed. So that all the nations um, and languages can be blessed. Um, just one more point before I hand over to Tabang. Um, not only is God's desire to bless all nations, but uh, all individuals of all nations need to be redeemed or saved. And here I just want to say... It's not just irreligious individuals that need to be saved. It's religious individuals as well. Um, if you think about the parable of the prodigal son, the younger irreligious brother, he needs to be saved. He goes off to the far country. He wastes his father's money on prodigal living, you know, on parting and prostitution and all that kind of stuff. And it's obvious that that is sin and that he needs to be saved. But the point of the parable is that even though the older brother says all these years I've been slaving for you and yet you gave me you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends um, the older brother is religious the younger brother wants to get the father's stuff through rebellion give me my inheritance so I can go and enjoy it away from your you know judgmental eyes in his perspective the older brother also wants the father's stuff he just doesn't get it through disobedience but through obedience but he wants the father's stuff, just like the younger brother. He doesn't want the father. Okay? And the point is, whether you're a, re a rebellious younger brother or a religious older brother, you need the gospel. Religion will not save you. You don't become a Christian by being born in a Christian home any more than you become a motor car by being born in a garage or a loaf of bread by being born in a bakery. You become... A Christian, not by being religious, but by receiving the gospel and being born again. And both rebellious younger brothers and religious older brothers from all nations need the gospel. Amen. Uh, yes, uh, I think in as much as 
individuals from all nations need redemption, need to be redeemed, saved, uh, especially with the illustrations that uh, Henny gives from younger part to, to older part, from religious to religious. Uh, it's also very important for, in speaking of nations, uh, I, I, I hope we, we all remember what, how Henny defined nations, that it's, it's not countries, it's ethnic groups. Uh, uh, another important po- point in not just individuals, but all, all culture needs to be, uh, all cult- cultures from all nations needs, need, need to be redeemed. Uh, I think uh, I'm reminded of a, of a, of a story in, in Genesis 11 uh, uh, from verse 1 to 9. It's, it speaks about the Tower of Babel and uh, the people, they were all speaking in one language and but they were, and they were building this high and mighty tower, they, 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 they assumed. And they thought they were doing that for God, but they were really doing that for their own image of God. And, and, and it failed. Uh, and God uh, scattered them to all the earth, and, 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 and it caused confusion in them. And they all inherited uh, or God-given different cultures and, and languages and, and tribes and all that. And, and I think that's a... With Jesus, that, that story changes a bit, or that story is redeemed in itself. I mean, I think, uh, in speaking about culture and redemption, I think of myself as well uh, from, 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 from my parents and, and my grandparents as well, is that, uh, uh, and from a lot of black people as well. The one thing that I know that I, I grew up with was, was, was Christianity, but also a battle between Christianity and African ancestralism, and, and that, that, that is a battle that still goes on to today uh, in that we still, uh, in not speaking for everyone, uh, I sometimes still uh, see that uh, we, 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 the gospel didn't redeem, uh, we di- I didn't allow, or we didn't allow the gospel to redeem that culture. We just, we just uh, supplemented uh, the gospel to, to, to our culture. And and same goes uh, on the other side as well, looking at uh, the stories of the Dutch Reformed churches and, 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 and the history of apartheid. Uh, uh, back then, the African uh, people uh, from the Dutch Reformed church didn't allow the gospel to redeem their culture. But what happened is they allowed the subjugation and uh, uh, what, what happened to be the indecency of people to, 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 uh, to, to go on. And we didn't allow what is so crucial in the gospel, uh, and that is the redemption of, of, of all people. And I think that's a, that's a, those two points are so crucial in understanding that in order for, for a culture, Jesus himself had his culture, and, and, and he was a Jewish man, uh, but he calls us Gentiles, to come as we are, but to, 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 to be redeemed and, and to allow the redemption, not just to be redeemed, but to allow the redemption of our cultures, to leave behind what is not of God and to inherit this identity of God. And that is not leaving our culture. Uh, I think that's a, a very important point. It's not leaving our culture. It's leaving what, it's leaving what is not of God. And I think that's a very important uh, point, those two points. Can I, I just want to add to that. Um, that uh, I once had a, a, a friend of mine who was an Anglican uh, preacher. He, he said uh, he was in a meeting, and um, a black Anglican, Anglican colleague of his says, um, I consider myself uh, and my people not to be beneficiaries of the gospel, but contributors to the gospel. Um, and so often, that, that's exactly what Tabang is talking about. It's important to notice that the gospel doesn't only redeem individuals from all nations. It redeems the cultures of all nations. And like Tabang was saying, I grew up in apartheid, and there was a big part of our Afrikaner culture which was very racist, which we hadn't brought into subjection. Some of you are too young, you know, you're Afrikaners and you didn't experience the brunt of that. But, but I did. I mean, if I just think about the racist jokes that, that was a normal part of our Afrikaner culture. Um, and, and, and that led to apartheid and the justification of apartheid because we didn't bring our culture under the gospel. Even though we knew the gospel, I, I think most Afrikaners would have called themselves Christian. And yet we didn't apply the gospel to our culture. 
um, sufficiently. Um, and that's what Tabang is saying. Not only the gospel doesn't only save individuals from the, all cu- cultures, but it saves the cultures themselves. It redeems the cultures themselves. And we must allow the gospel to do that. Amen. Uh, and uh, if, if, if we picture again in Genesis 11, the story of this one nation that speaks one language, scattering and speaking many different languages. And I just think God had a great plan. We all know Jesus. And, and with Jesus, especially reading uh, Daniel 7, which is a prophecy, and Matthew 28, uh, which is an action plan to this prophecy, and Revelations, Revelations 5, which is a visualization of this prophecy that is in the now and in the later as well. And uh, I just, Jesus, uh, with the scattering that happens in Genesis 11, Jesus later, later, he, 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 he tells us that we're coming back to him. And that is through him. God is telling us we're coming back to him. And that is through Jesus. All nations, all cultures, all cultures, not, not just one culture. It's, it's, it's not about uh, sanctified blandness. It's, it's about a multi-ethnic, cross-cultural party. Uh, all cultures now come back, not to the Tower of Babel, but to God. We, we come back and dwell in his presence. And I think that's a, that's a very uh, good action plan that God intended uh, with, uh, with, with, with Jesus in, 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 in him reconciling us to, to, to God. And... Uh, and moving to, to, the third, uh, to the third point, remembering that the first point was, uh, our, uh, was upward, the second one was outward, and the third one is inward. Uh, uh, yeah, I think different, uh, different nations, uh, they, need, uh, they need the gospel in, in different ways, um, and, and, and they bring different aspects of the gospel. Uh, I think that is so true in my, in, in my life as well. And I'll, I'll, give, a, I'll give an example. But uh, I think we learn so much better about the gospel when we partake of it cross-culturally. And, 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 and it's, so, it, it's so crucial to, to, to witness it cross-culturally. And, um, and we notice that cultures that, 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 apply, uh, that apply the gospel well to other cultures uh, learn the gospel better themselves. And, and, and the cultures that learn the gospel well um, apply it better to other cultures. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's that type of relationship. And I, I remember for, for me, I, 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 go, I, I go to, 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 to I, I, go, I reach out a lot and I go to missions uh, a few times. And I, I once went to Zimbabwe and uh, with a couple of people that I, I see here. And uh, we got to this one village, uh, and and we saw this uh, old old uh, pastor there, uh, who was in charge of this homestead, and and everything goes through him, you know. And uh, uh, he's very respected. He knows his Bible. He's very faithful, uh, I believe. And and we we get to his church, and we come there because we we, we were told to come and equip the church, and and. Uh, but for my culture, that's such a very warped view because, because I grew up uh, in South Africa with the thinking that, uh, not just the thinking, but the implica- um, the, the English word is gone now, uh, but let's see. Uh, but with the direction that uh, the older, older people, which is a good thing, that older people are to be respected in what they say is right, and uh, especially in church leadership. Uh, uh, if, if, if someone in church leadership... Uh, it's it's impossible for you for me to 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 share with Henny and 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 tell him oh this, this let me let, let me teach you and let's learn from this let's learn from John let's do this it's a bit it's not it's not that healthy it's so it's a it's a bit uh it wasn't very. That, that, that's how I went. I went thinking all cultures are like this, and that's how the gospel is to be preached. You should learn from top down. And uh, but I go. We, we go to this um, homestead in in, in 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 North Zimbabwe, and and we get to this place. And this, uh, I feel I feel the pressure now to not want to speak because I see this very old man. Uh, uh, who I'm supposed to learn from, rightfully so, because he has wisdom. But uh, he just comes to me, uh, and, and he tells me, uh, I'm so excited that you guys are here. I have my notes, and I have my pen. Uh, but he, sp- he spoke to a translator, and he said, I have my notes, and I have my pen. I'm ready for you to teach me. And, and I think that, yeah, that broke me a bit, because uh, it showed a very 
a very different, different element to the gospel, and, and, it, and um, it, points, it points to Galatians 1.8. I do not know if we have Galatians 1.8 up there. Uh, to, uh, uh, it, Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be a curse. Uh, it, it, it just shows that the charge... Uh, uh, I forgot how Henny put it to me, uh, but I, I, it just shows that the, the authority of the gospel is in the gospel and not in man. And I think it showed that light to me. It showed that I wouldn't have, I really don't believe I would have seen it in my culture, uh, but I, I saw it way better in someone else's culture. Him enacting it, him showing it to me, I saw it so, so much better in, 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 in his culture. Amen. Yeah, it's... Um the reality is every different, your culture needs the gospel in ways that are different from how my culture needs the gospel. You know, whether you're an Afrikaner, whether you're a Zulu, whether you're a German, whatever you are, there are aspects of the gospel that your culture needs that my culture does not need as much. So when I see the gospel being applied in your culture, I'm going to learn things about the gospel that are not clearly brought out by my culture. So the only way to really learn the gospel fully is to be able to minister the gospel cross-culturally to different ethnic groups and see how the gospel redeems different ethnic groups. And, 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 and that's why we say it's an it's a inward reason. Why do we want to minister the gospel to all nations? Because we benefit. The, the ones ministering the gospel to other nations minister, uh, benefit from it. We learn the gospel more clearly by seeing it applied there. And, and this old, old man who was very respected, to whom Tabang would not presume to minister normally, by him saying, listen, I'm eager to receive from you, Tavang learned something about the gospel, that the authority is not in the older person or the person with authority, but in the gospel itself. And he was ministering the gospel. And that old man understood that about the gospel and could, through his reception, teach that to, to Tavang, who was preaching the gospel to him. And I, I think that's powerful. So here's just a bit of application. Make sure, if you're really, seriously about, if you're really serious about learning the gospel and living the gospel, make sure you minister the gospel cross-culturally. And you observe not only how the gospel affects the person from a different gospel, but also how it affects your culture. Uh, Not only how it affects a person from a different culture, but also how it affects your culture. Now, when you minister to people from different cultures, it makes you more sensitive to culture because you're a, a cultural outsider. But you need to take that same cultural awareness into your own culture because so often culture is in the background of our thinking. We're not even aware of it. Culture are the things that we do and think and say without thinking about it. They're sort of automatic. But when you're in a different culture, it brings culture, a foreign culture, it brings the concept of culture from the background of your thinking to the foreground of your thinking. And you can intentionally and consciously think about how the gospel affects this culture. And then you can take, you can approach your own culture as, a, as if you were a cross-cultural missionary and say, but what are the aspects of my culture that I'm not as aware of that need the gospel? So, and then lastly, um, why reaching? Um, Matthew 28 verse 18 verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples. But what it literally says is not go, it says going therefore make disciples. Um, In other words, as you go, make disciples. Or even better, probably, wherever you go, make disciples. So it's not talking about missions only. It's talking about missional living. Wherever you go, make disciples. And obviously included in missional living is going on mission trips, cross-cultural or you know, international mission trips. Um, But it's not limited to that. And the reality is because of globalization and urbanization, most of the nations, the ethnic groups of the world, are already represented in Joburg. They're already here. We don't have to cross borders to reach them. We can reach them right here in our own city. And then we can send them to go and reach their own cultures and countries. So not just missions, but missional living. God calls us to reach all nations. Um, There's a beautiful scripture in um, John 20, verse 21. I don't know if you can bring it up where Jesus says uh, to, to his disciples, 
Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent Jesus to the Jews, so he's sending us to the nations. And as the Father, whatever the Father sent Jesus to do in Israel, and he incarnated the gospel basically, he lived the gospel in Israel, he incarnated. So he's sending us to the, Jesus is sending us to the nations to go and incarnate the gospel in those nations, to go and live the gospel in those nations. So, like we always say, live everywhere as though God sent you there. Live the gospel wherever you are. Not just going on missions, you know, once a year, you know, where you put in leave and go on a, a week-long mission trip or something, but live everywhere as though you're sent there, because that's what mission means. Mission means being sent to go and reach a certain people group. So live at work as though God sent you there on mission to reach those people. Live in your family as though God sent you there to reach your family. Live amongst your friends as though God sent you there to reach those friends. Live everywhere as though God sent you there. Yes, Lord God, we just want to honor you and praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of not only being reached with the gospel, but of reaching other nations and generations with the gospel as well. And we just come and submit ourselves to you and say, have your way in us in Jesus' name, Lord. We pray, Lord, that as we go out from here, Lord, thank you, Lord, that, we, that we're not just scattering, but that we're being sent by you. And that Jesus, just like you said to, to, to the apostles, the, the first apostles, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Thank you that you say the same thing to us. Thank you that you're sending us into our cultures, into our city, to go and live the gospel and to redeem our cultures. Lord, and in Jesus' name, I just want to send every person here to every place they're going to go, whether at work, whether at school, whether at home, whether amongst friends, wherever they go, Lord, in Jesus' name, I send them to go and be redemptive agents who redeem their culture and who live out the gospel in every culture in Jesus' name. And I bless them as they go. May they not only be blessed, but may they be a blessing to those around them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.